right, well, you can walk into a movie theater in Amsterdam and buy a beer. And I don't mean just like a little paper cup. I'm talking about a glass of beer. And in Paris, you can buy beer at McDonald's. And you know what they call a, a, a quarter pounder with cheese uh, in Paris? They don't call it a quarter pounder with cheese? They get the metrics. Welcome to the Hookup on Film with Adam and Tony. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. What's up? What's going on, Tony? What is up, my man? How you been? I've uh, been been there, been here, been everywhere. How I got a you? question. I got a question for you before the show begins. Yes. Because I got a bag of Sour Patch Kids right next to me because I love Sour Patch Kids. Yes. It's my go-to candy for basically everything, including going to the movies. Yes. When you are going to the movies, you can only get one candy. What are you picking? You know what's so funny? Before we go into this really quick, um, I was waiting for this for one day to talk about this on the show because this is going to be some huge information for you right now. Um, I have, um, I've never eaten candy before. Are you serious? Are you just being, um, are, you, are you fucking I'm, with me? I have never, I have taken one bite of chocolate. I've never eaten a Sour Patch Kid in my life. Mm. I have never had candy at the movie theaters once, ever. I mean, not one time, ever. Not by accident. Um, I don't have a sweet tooth. So I've never had strawberries. I've never had char- cherries. My wife's an amazing, amazing bake baker. I have not ate any of her stuff because I don't eat sweets. I got to be honest. I don't know if I can do a show with you. <laughs> That's why I waited 51 <laughs> episodes, um, and I've also never... Well, I might as well just go down a list. I've never had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I've never had peanut butter. You know you are an adult man. You can just eat these things. Well, see, the thing about it is is I love fry. I could eat some more chicken than anybody you've ever met. I could eat more tacos than anyone. You see my post, pizza. You see what I've posted. So it, it, you just have never... And honestly, when you think about it now, go back and think about it. I've never posted anything sweet ever. Do you eat popcorn? Popcorn, yeah. I love popcorn. So there a nice buttery popcorn loaded with salt. My go-to for a long time was the nachos and cheese. I was, But then I started to get self-conscious because the people would judge me because of my loud chip eating in the theater. So I switched <sighs> to popcorn. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you can. Let's see if I can put it on. I have a scar on my arm. Uh-huh. I worked at a movie theater when I was in high school and the very first, like they have, you know, these giant vats of popcorn and the very first day, like I was like fiddling with the popcorn maker. Um, and of course I was in high school. They probably didn't train me the greatest. I wasn't paying attention combination of both. And I was like, Oh, the popcorn needs to get flipped down into the giant vat, but the handle was on the other side. So I was like, Oh, just use my hand. Which was, of course, the smartest decision in the world—a giant metal vat of oil, popcorn—and I go to 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 pull down the vat, and it gave me like third-degree burns on my arm. Yeah, I was arguing with a girl at Popeyes when I was sixteen, and she was on the drive-through, and I was arguing back and forth, and I was reaching for the spatula for the deep fryer, and I put my whole fingers into the deep fryer, <laughs> and then I was a fool, and I didn't understand that you don't put your hand in ice. And then it bubbled up. But you know what was tough about me? I, I stuck through it, and I seasoned chicken a couple days later when the glove ripped and all the seasoning got in my burn. I still stuck it through. 
But really quick, uh, back to the sweet tooth stuff. So, um, you know, I'm the only one like this. Um, my dad would, he'd eat a whole cake. He'd eat all the candy. He'd steal my, the best was Halloween. If you were my brother, you got my whole bag of candy. I just handed it to you. So Halloween was nothing more to me than just walking around and having a good time. I never ate one snack out of that bag. That's a fact. Well, I'd say you're the weird one, but you're in much better shape than me. So well, really I, is the last I, I, I'm scared, man. <laughs> I'm scared of how much fried food I had, but we'll, we'll talk about that later. All right. Let's talk about some actual movies. All right. Do you want to run the... <laughs> All right, I'm having some technical issues, my eyesight, but we're going to start every single episode like we do with the movie battle. In this case, we got a Denis Villeneuve movie battle with his last two films of Blade Runner 2049 and Dune Part 1. Downey! Which one are you picking? Then the blackout came, paved over everything. Could have found the child if I tried. Did you want to? Not really. Because we were being hunted. Well, I mean, that's my answer right now. It's Blade Runner 2049. Um, I think it's more... I can't say that Dune isn't visually stunning because it's visually stunning. But if you just look at both of these posters, you could see one. The colors are a different colored scheme. And I just really like Blade Runner 2049 for lots of reasons. But that that'd be one of them. How about you? All right, listeners, I'm going to take you behind the peak of the curtain. I let Tony choose the the movie battle this week, and he gave me two choices. The other one I thought was even worse. At least this one made sense. And also, like, it was a movie that, like, I didn't want to burn because we're gonna. I know we're going to talk about it in a couple weeks. So I was like, okay, let's do the Denis Villeneuve movie battle. And I didn't want was, to fight you. What was wrong you. with the soundtrack battle? No. Oh, that's what it was? Okay. Yeah. I one of, one of the movies I know we're going to talk about in a few weeks. Yes. No, I was doing uh, soundtracks to try to build us up to that. But we'll talk about that later. Go on now. Oh, okay. You don't like these movies? Regardless. I was, yeah, I I am not a fan of either of these movies. Oh, like, geez. this is my first. And you're, and, you're, and you're out there screaming for Spotlight. <laughs> well, I guess we'll get for that later. I'm just, Babylon. Wow. I'm screaming for Babylon. Wow, Babylon. I, well, it's the same. I, uh, they're all whatever. I can't even. I you got me even saying the uh, wrong movie to you. I don't even. Oh, I don't know. I just they're but they're both objectively really good movies. Then have you ever seen the original Blade really Runner? No. Yeah, man, I saw the original Blade Runner right before. Again, like I rewatched it before. You like the original Blade Runner? No, they're both so boring to me. I was like, oh my goodness, I don't. Didn't you like Paris replicants? Yeah, I love. Parasite is not even close. It's not what? Even Blade Runner. Well, yeah, but Parasite boring? is fun. Boring? Oh my god! So you really, honestly, right now, and right now, folks, behind the curtain, you're putting online right now that Blade Runner 2049 is more boring than Parasite. Oh, hundred percent, a hundred percent. Well, I don't know about that. This is this oh is. My this is taking it awkward because I, will... I can name a thousand movies that are not. But hey, what do you, what do you have against Parasite? I have if you have things against Blade Runner twenty nine, I got everything against Parasite. Oh, it's man, a boring slosh. It's a boring slosh. I mean, if you're over there talking about Babylon, which we'll get to later with the Oscars, I mean, 
these two movies are visually stunning. And the yeah, I, 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 I agree. They're they're visually gorgeous. Denis Villeneuve has you a great brought up eye. an interesting point. Here's a movie that recently we talked about, and you said you hate this movie. Now, because of my 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 channel Showtime, I told you I didn't like this movie either. I've watched this movie now ten times. I watched it before I came on here. The movie is Zodiac. Would you say that movie's boring? Uh, good part. A lot of it is. Yes, it's a talking movie, but. Maybe it's just not for you. I mean, I can't say it's boring. Oh man. Yeah, I, I you got you I got have, the beginning here with some fireworks. I mean, I have, you really listen. Denny Villeneuve's got a new film coming out this year, Dune Part Two. And I'm not. I'll be honest with you, Dune. I'll give it to you this, okay? Dune, not really a fan. Okay, this my Dune, problem. The old Dune. Um, this Dune, I honestly, I want to be a big fan because I've heard a lot of good things, but I felt the way you're explaining. But Blade Runner 2049, I, I do not feel that way about. My my Dune issue is that I really hate sci-fi movies that take its entire first act to like explain things to you and just like outright like tell you things versus, like I said, like Inception does this, but Inception flips a goddamn city while doing it. Dune is kind of like, there's so much expository information because this world is so vast and they got to explain the Bene Gesserit and they got to explain this world and they have to explain the spice trade. And there's like, maybe I'll like Dune part two more, but there's like a whole well, lot if you're of not liking Dune part one. I mean, it's like saying, I don't like the matrix, but man, matrix reloaded. That's a real classic. <laughs> Love the matrix. At least the matrix reload is reloaded too. Cause that has, at least has the car chase scene. Well, those, those are all good for their own purpose, but Blade Runner 2049. I, you know what? I've never, you know, I, I think about this a lot about our, about, about you. And I, I think you should start rewatching movies you don't like. And I know you don't have time. You're going, I don't have time. Bro, I am watching like a lot of Scorsese movies. And I got some, I just, I just saw Raging Bull. And boy, I got some, I got some, well, let's heat. Not, I got better, some, you know I what? I got some heat I want to throw. Well, not in a good way. Well, I don't, well, I'm, I'm really going to have to do some deep dive into your likes because you just let out a card because I don't know what you're seeing because the movie's close to uh, pretty perfect. But we're going to have to get to that later. Yeah, we'll we'll get to Uh, that later. But I understand um, both movies are longer. So um, I can understand if you're not into this, definitely not. But I'll say I don't want to watch any of these movies personally. Well, uh, you know. Just I want to watch a call in, You know, I'm gonna, call in, I'm gonna call it an opinion from the past, uh, 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 from from uh, uh, my my weirdo father. This is what he would say about the original Blade Runner. He said the same thing you said. He said it was boring, and he was a sci-fi nut. He said it was boring, um, and I'd be like, "But it looks really good." He's like, "There's no action. I feel like I'm gonna fall asleep." Now, Blade Runner 2049. There are parts that are slow. But like Batista in the beginning of the movie, visually, I think it overcomes that. I respect. You know what it is, though. I, mean, I giant, sexy Anadarmus. Well, yeah, you, that's really a. We'll, we'll get to her in a minute because <laughs> you have a lot of valid um, anger for um, Babylon not getting picked because she did get picked. But so, for the sake of that, you to hate both of these movies, and maybe I like one of them. We'll just go Blade Runner twenty forty nine. And and if, you got to admit, let's look at here. Are you going to go with Gosling over Chalamet? Probably Chalamet. Uh, I do like Gosling's films more. I don't. 
I know it's part of I mean Gosling's got like a 15 year head start on Chalamet too, but I also I don't know that there's a single Chalamet film that I've seen that I'm like, oh, I love this guy. Maybe um what's a Greta Gerwig film he did? Uh, not Sir Ronan. Um we're there in Sacramento. What's that fucking movie called? And I love this movie. My internet's low. You have to look it up. I will. What, you said it's you. Okay. Well, back to Timothy Chalamet really quick. I, you know, we can't really. He was pretty good in the last. Um, they don't talk about it, but the last uh, Woody Allen movie, he was actually. He plays exactly like you would expect him to play in that movie, but he's pretty good. You saw the one with Lady Bird. That's the fucking. I you love know, it. I'm staring at Lady Bird. You say it. Great. Um, <laughs> Beautiful Boy was pretty good. Did you ever see that one? With uh, him and uh, Steve Carell, where he's like oh. an addict who went to like a rehab facility and Carell's the dad trying to wrestle with oh him. Oh my God. Friggin' him, Chalamet and Lucas Hedges. I'm pretty sure there's like a Lucas Hedges movie that I saw where he went to. That's the same thing with uh, she was, he was with uh, Julia Roberts, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that's a gay conversion therapy one, but. But they're all, you know what? That's all the same movie, just switching out ideas. Some indie movie where there's a lot of crying and overdramatic yelling scenes. Pretty, pretty truthful. Well, the good news is, is when you were talking about needing to see all the Ridley Scott movies, Blade Runner 2049 is not a Ridley Scott movie, so good for um, that. But one day we probably will do a Dennis Villeneuve weave. And listen, we're gonna do a Dennis Villeneuve. Like ranking at the when his Dune Part Two comes out, and you can go have a guess for it if you're listening <laughs> and you want to do, the, just put Arrival number one. Well, you know, you know, you. I, I put, you, put so Prisoners number really two because it's got Dan you don't like any it. of his movies. I, I love Arrival. What about Prisoners? Uh, I need to revisit Prisoners. I saw it on a. All right, all right, all right. I'll, I will give you blade runner 2049 hate if you could revisit prisoners because i think that's that's a that's a good movie listen any movie that puts creepy paul dano on a wall (laughs) all right well there you have it what are we going to now well dune got nominated for best picture last year let's talk about some best picture winners and other academy award nominees in 2023 (sighs) oh the uh Academy Awards nominations for this year were announced this morning as we're recording. I guess yesterday as you're listening to this, at minimum. And as you alluded to, my beloved Babylon basically got shut out. Friggin' just... Okay, I understand, like, I never really look at the Best Picture nominees as, like, um, they have to align with my tastes. I know, like, there's just going to be, it's it's always like, here's the Academy stays. The Academy is now a pretty big, diverse body. They're going to like, like different things. You know, I'm not super big fan of like tar or everything everywhere all at once, but like, I give it respect and credit, but like just nominate Babylon. How hard is this guys? I hate it. Like Babylon's my favorite movie of the year of 2022. This movie was so good. Like, it doesn't even, it got like three nominations for score, uh, production design, and costume design. And they're all great, but like, you're not going to give it cinematography. You're going to give Stupid Bardo a cinematography nomination. You're going to give Empire of Light 
a cinematography nomination because you like Roger Deakins? Like, do you guys don't like those movies? Have you seen Babylon? Babylon's got shots, baby. They fucking did a like five minute one shot in the middle of an orgy. Just nominate. That's like, and what's what's even more frustrating is that like I think it legit has like it deserves stuff like best score. It won best score at the Golden Globes. I think its score is absolutely incredible, but because it didn't get like any best picture or really any other nominations, like Academy voters are like, "Ooh, Tar! I love Tar!" Just vote for it like down the middle. Ooh, I love the Fablemans. Vote for it like so. Like a film that has like a legit, really good little below the line aspect is like not going to get any love, and it it upsets me. It makes me sad, Tony. I just I love Babylon. Well. I want to, I, you know, I, I know you think it's because um, it didn't do well at the box office. Now, that could be a reason, but I don't think that that's the reason why it didn't. I think it's a combination of it didn't do well and, like, legit people don't like it. Like, it has a... It's more, and it's not people. I would say it's more the people who pick movies don't like it. Now, from, you know, there, I think, we've talked about this before, I think it's a movie that, when given a rewatch... I mean, let's be really honest with one another here. Was Boogie Nights nominated for Best Picture? I, I can't. I it, don't was. Think it, it was. Yeah, it was. Okay. Um, uh, I mean, it we, lost out to like basically everything to Titanic, but Boogie Nights was know, a little bit respected in the time. I guess that that is a bad example. I mean, I'm trying to think of a movie that is is really good, but it's just didn't get that love from the Oscars. It's, like, it's like the like, opposite of Whiplash. Like Chazelle's Whiplash was one of those things. It was like. A little film that like oh when people started to see it is like holy crap this is really good and then this is like oh now people think like damien chazelle got too big for his britches and like i was listening to a podcast with him recently and he's like he knew this was going to be divisive like i think there's only one studio in town the one that ended up producing at paramount was the only one that said yes and they partially said yes because the head of Paramount was a producer on his previous film, First Man. So it was like a little bit of nepotism. I think he said like he he showed his script to the his parents and his parents hated it. So like the people who made Babylon knew that it was divisive. I I mean I personally don't see it. Like I would much rather watch Babylon than Tar. I mean yeah. Tar Tar's a slog. Yeah, which will be coming out on Peacock this week. Yeah, we reviewed it. Check us out on YouTube. We didn't give it a good review. But you know what? Like, at least with like a like last year, like Power of the Dog, that's a film that you and I hated. And that's like an arty film that it's like, oh my God, this is brutal. Shoot me in the face. Tar, I just like don't personally like. But do you know what I mean? I'm, like, I'm going to, but that, see, that's the thing again is I always think, maybe, well, maybe I was in a bad mood the first time. So I'm going to watch it again on Peacock. I'll probably not like it. Maybe I'll come back and see something. It's that beginning thing that we talked about before that I'm not excited to rewatch again. Um, when you the uh, that long shot in the beginning, that's, that's, that's really long. Um, a film that actually did do really well in the nominations. And we talked about it. I think that we talked about it last week was um, all quiet on the Western front. Got a whole bunch of nominations. <laughs> I don't know. I, I they're like I think the battle scenes in that movie like are incredible. Like I think there's a lot of really incredible filmmaking. I I don't know, man. It got like best picture, and I wonder if like how much of that is Netflix has like a lot of like they paid for a lot of prestige movies like 
you know, like Bardo and like white um, noise. They like didn't quite do well, but people liked All Quiet in the Western Front. So like Netflix put its like Netflix money and weight behind it. Um, I don't know, man. That's it's I mean, we just talked about that movie, and, and I just watched it, and you know, again, it's nothing. It's 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 to me for what it's going for. I've seen it. I it used to be the Oscars to me used to be you're seeing things that are new, they're fresh, you haven't seen them before. Um, it doesn't seem like it's like I've seen that before. I've seen that a lot. I mean, so now every movie it's, that's like that, we're gonna it's, it's gonna get nominated. That's nineteen seventeen. It's. I mean, we just saw a movie like it was, this. The original, but the the original was not was picked for best picture. I mean, I mean we saw we... that with West Side Story too last year, right? Like, but like, <laughs> okay, I'm. Sorry. You know, you know what? Also, I think it is is that the Academy as a voting block are becoming increasingly more diverse, and part of that diversity is non-American. So there's a good like. Um, do you remember uh, what's the Mads Mikkelsen film from a couple of years ago? The where he was day drinking. Um, I know what you're, I forgot the name of the movie, but I know what you're talking about. Anyway, it's it's a foreign film, and its director got like a best director nomination like just a couple of years ago, and it's like a good movie, and I liked it, but like it didn't scream like best director. Do you know what I mean? And part of it is and we we kind of saw it a little bit this year too with Ruben Austin's. Triangle Sadness getting a Best Picture and a Best Director nominee. Now, our friend Matt, you know, a couple episodes ago thought, said that was his favorite film of the year. It's a film I want to check out. But I do wonder, like, how much of that is that the Academy is now just becoming so diverse and so non-American that we're now seeing these non-American films poke through, like Triangle Sadness and like All Quiet on the Western Front. Oh, I <laughs> You know, I mean, but then again, we got a, a you know we got a movie here that's nominated, which it probably could be good, but it's just called Women Talking. I actually hear good things about it. Well, I mean, do you, do you know what women talking? If you talk about? to a lot of people, you'll hear good things about Blade Runner twenty forty nine. But you know, it, 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 it all depends on you know your perspective of what's good. I actually want to see Women Talking. It's I, I want to see the Sarah Polly movie. You know me, I want to see every movie, even if it's bad. But that being said... Dude, check out this cast list of women talking. There's a Rooney lot of Mara, Claire Foy, Jesse Buckley, Frances McDormand, uh, but Ben that Wishaw. Title, that title right there, it screams Oscar. <laughs> yeah, it's a... Do you know what the movie's about? Uh, no, but can you fill me in? It's like 12 Mennonite women sitting in a barn talking about the... Um, sexism and atrocities towards female that they've experienced and about whether they should leave the community or not. Okay. It does sound like a little Oscar baby. Like it, it sounds like that term. I got to write that down because I, I don't, I keep forgetting it. Oscar bait. That's what it is. That is to me, not because it's not a good movie because it's saying like, wow, look at us. We're going to act really well in this really. Yeah. Yeah. Trip. I mean, but, it could be good. I am. I am looking forward to seeing it. I'll watch it. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, that doesn't offend me so much as part of the Oscars should be like focusing a spotlight on smaller films. Um, you know to like I, get to get people like my mom. My mom used to be a big person, like she would she would watch every single award show yeah. and she would watch like SNL. 
Like, and that's how she got part of her culture. Like we would go too. see cause Chicago, like we're, we're adjacent to like gets a lot of first run broad, like not first run, but like once a play ends on Broadway, it'll come to Chicago a yeah. lot of times. So like, that's like how my mom would then go see plays. She's like, Hey, let's go. Like the, um, the play Lin-Manuel Miranda did before Hamilton was in the Heights oh. and it actually won um, best musical at the Tonys that year. And like, we went and saw it because my mom was like, Hey, I heard good things. It, it won, you know, this Tony that, cause she would watch all award shows. Um, so on some level, like I'm fine. Like I don't have an issue outside of Elvis, which I think is just an actively bad film. I don't have a problem. Like, I think it's a diverse group of best picture nominees. Like, you know, you have a little bit of, you have an art house like, film like Tar, yeah. and you have like Top Gun Maverick. did the best? I mean, I'm not looking, I mean, don't get me but wrong. But I mean, what, I like what, is, what is the best? It's What's the best? It sounds like Babylon would be one of the best to you. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Babylon And so I mean, much. I'm not going to be wrong here. And, I, and I'm going to revisit this again because again, Showtime's been replaying it every 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 other channel is everything everywhere. I've watched that movie now quite a few times, and you may be onto something because I'm starting to see that uh, it's kind of like Birdman in the fact it's a fad type of movie, and I know it's it's another version of Oscar bait, but in a in a, like a way where like I know what they're doing. That's just from my perspective of film. It's a good movie, but the thing the, the thing with everything everywhere is just like I just it didn't click with me. Like I didn't there I remember like when we were talking to Hans from the action movie book club who's like, I just saw this and this is like one of the best films I've seen like in the past decade. Like people and Keelan when she was on our podcast, like I absolutely love this movie. Like and it's I get a it, it's movie. It's really inventive and smart and it's different, but I will also say like you know, it has I'm like, looking at, but its, like, here's another movie that budget, you said like, you're, you're not really into, but like, I'm looking at the best picture. This budget okay? had $25 million budget. This wasn't like that small of a movie. From me, my perspective, you got Top Gun, you got that movie, but then like something like, and you know, I might be speaking out of turn, something like John Wick, which is, has the meat. It has the bones. It has the same action. It's taking chances like Top Gun. No, it never will sniff in an award. The Top Gun thing is is weird. I do you mean like yeah, I like it? All it. The way. Well, it's either you're gonna it's you're playing cards. So then give Cruz an actor nom. Which, give by the way, like the I'll director a nom. Give some other people. Don't just make it a best picture. It feels like it's just like a. And I saw this earlier. It's an it's an honor just to be nominated. It is it is weird, like why the Academy is doing this to, with Top Gun because do you know what I mean? Like, ultimately, it's a big budget blockbuster, right? It's it's not even like at least with like something like Avatar, which got nominations. Like, camera is like trying to do things cinematically. Babylon, I'm looking here. I missed this. Babylon did get nominated for something. Yeah, I told you, it got nominated for three things. It got nominated for production design. I, missed, I was too busy thinking about the Blade Runner 2049. It got a few nominations, but do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, why didn't, nothing, why didn't it get nothing, cinematography? Nothing I'm looking at the cinema, like, again, Bardo and Empire of Light got cinematography nominations. You're right. I would much rather give those spots to Babylon and Top Gun. I'm really praying that it comes on Paramount uh, Plus this next month. Babylon? Babylon just to Fucking watch it a bunch more times but that being said you know I think the Banshees deserved 
Yeah, love Banshees. Always, Banshees, always. Banshees might win fucking like win it all, and that would be fine with me. I love Banshees. Of it just seems very like the. It seems all very one kind of one way. I don't know. It seems very like you know what's going to happen type of thing. What do you mean? Like I don't think I could be wrong. I don't think Brendan Fraser is going to win. I don't think so either. I would love him to win. I think it would be. Uh, I think he, even though I find that to be like you know again. A, a a a role that is is awesome and he can win it for. But I don't. I mean, know. I still need to see the whale. He looks great in it. Uh, I just watched the Mummy recently. That's a movie that's aged like fucking milk. Oh <laughs> no, the graphics are god awful. Not movies. only that, the Scorpion, the second one with the. Oh rock. my god, the we we watched the second one too. The graphics are they were pretty bad at the time, and they're even worse now. Oh, they are. But. He it looks. There's a couple movies in that time period where they marched them out to you like they were the greatest things ever, and they're just bad. Now yeah, it's fucking. It's fucking the 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 rock at the end is fucking atrocious. It's <laughs> it's really bad. It's so fucking bad. <laughs> His face um, doesn't even look like him. It looks not good. It, it looks like a kid painted it. On the now it's been a it's been fifteen years since I've seen that, and I still remember how bad that looks. But uh, you um, know, I think Barry Keoghan. I think that's an awesome Oscar nom. Your boy Paul Dano didn't get any nominations. You know, I mean, I think they're trying to. That's another one, man. He's he's him. And you know Babylon. So Hong Chow got a nomination for the whale, and there's kind of a talking point that you know the menu just recently got released on HBO. So a lot of people like Hong Chow was in front of a lot of people for that, and it's kind of one of those things where it feels like she's getting a nomination for both. And for someone like Paul Dano, who had a great year with both The Riddler and The Fablemans, and Fablemans is a film that did very well at the nominations. His lack of like Judd Hirsch got the best supporting actor <laughs> nomination versus like, yeah, I, I was not seen, expecting that. Yeah, no, I don't think I was expecting that. And especially if you're going to give it to someone, I, I'm pretty sure Paul Dano's in the movie a hell of a lot more than Judd Hirsch is, from what I understand. Well, uh, don't get me wrong, Judd Hirsch I'm, is awesome, but Judd Hirsch is Paul great. Dano, but, like, she... I find I just I will say that I, I would have a hard time believing I'm going to come out of the Fablemans thinking Judd Hirsch deserved the nomination over Dano. Considering Dano, I know, is the bigger role, and we know how good of an actor Dano is. I've watched Judd Hirsch in quite a few things. I'm trying to think of him doing something that isn't the usual Judd Hirsch yeah. that would earn him that Oscar nod. And I'm sure, I'm sure he's in the movie a lot less than Dano. You would, you and, would think. The, one of the funniest nominations is in Best Actress. Um, Andre, do you know about the Andre Riseborough thing? The which. For the which so Andrea Riseborough, she's a very good actress. Um, she's in this movie called Two Leslie that okay. is super, super, super tiny and independent. Uh huh. Um, and basically, there's like this grassroots campaign where, like, basically, someone like Edward Norton tweeted out, like, Oh, Andrea Riseborough is great in this movie when Kate Blanchett won her Critics' Choice Award. She like called out Andre Riseborough. So like for the past two weeks, like a bunch of celebrities have been tweeting about this movie. And because of that, it got Andre Riseborough got a, a best actress nomination. Really? That's very awesome. Uh, I did not hear about that at all. Yeah. It's it kind of, and I, I mean, Andre Riseborough is a great actress and it's not like there's like a whole like list of actresses. Like I think that got screwed, but it also kind of, kind of goes to show you like, 
how silly this is sometimes where like literally Andre Riseboro is a famous person and just asked all of her Hollywood friends to tweet about it to the point where it got a nomination. Like sometimes this is super, super silly and dumb how well, this stuff happens. Well, do you think it was dumb and silly how uh, Anna Diarmas got nominated? I don't understand. Like she's fine in the. F- how many? Honestly, how many? You and I sat through Blonde. How many people? Like what, come so <laughs> right. So like the actors and actress of um, who have Academy not like um, everyone votes on Best Picture, but basically your particular subset votes. Like the musicians vote for um, score. The actors and actresses vote for the acting category. So only actors and actors like voted for this stuff. How many people actually watched? How many actors and actresses who had Academy votes actually watched Blonde outside of Colin Farrell, who apparently said he loved her in it? <laughs> I, I can't imagine it's a, like, I do wonder how much of people's like Honor to Armis, like, I love her. She's great in a bunch of things that I've seen recently. And there's also like not a whole lot of other, do you know what I mean? It's like I, the people who got quote unquote snubbed are like Viola Davis from The Woman King. I, I'll. <laughs> I always remember when I was at Ball State, me and uh, three buddies from high school, we took a road trip to um, Los Angeles. And um, a buddy of mine, one of my good friends, he befriended. Um, are you familiar with the composer uh, Jerry Goldsmith? No. He's, if you look him up on your computer and look at all the things he's done, he's done everything for, he's done a hundred things, but um, Academy Award winner. Um, uh, but that being said, my buddy befriended his son, and um, he goes and we go out there and everything. And just by meeting this guy, we go to his. Um, I got to see this guy's mansion and everything. And if you see right now, you're looking at this composer. He's done everything. From my my computer's running so slow. I'll... He's done. He did Poltergeist, the original Planet oh, of the nice. Apes. Oh, damn. Um, he really quick here. He uh, Grammy, five Emmys, nine Golden Globe, four British, Academy, 18, 18 Academy Awards, uh, winning 76 for the Omen. Um, that being said, we went to his apartment. He went to his place. But then a kid that we went to high school with, his brother was somehow a part of uh, he worked at MTV, and even he got these screeners, which it was the first time I've ever seen screeners. And he said, you know, some of these people vote for, uh, you know, some of these Oscars. They're they're not really people that you would think really even watch movies. They get sent to screeners, and then they just have to pick from it. So that's what kind of kind of soured me a little bit on some of these picks. But it's still fun to watch, but. You think the Oscars has lost a little bit of its luster, don't you? It's, I don't know. Like, I personally used to watch, sit there and watch it with my mom. My mom used to tell me she used to have parties with her friends. It used to be almost like the Super Bowl. Yeah. Now trying to talk to somebody about the Oscars, they're like, what's that? You know, or like, I just think everything has just become so niche. It's not just the Oscars, do you know what I mean? That's true. I I think the Oscars should go the other way. People always complain it's like a three hour show and it goes too long. I think it should go the other way. Someone had the great idea of like, fuck it, make it all day. Do the below the, like, someone had, I really like this idea. It'll never happen, but like, make it an all day event. People who like it will watch it. If you don't, whatever. 
do a lot of the below the line stuff like you know sound design and sound mixing you know the first part of the day then do like a halftime show with all the best um songs like they all perform and then the second half of the show is the bigger stuff like the acting ones and director and picture and just like fuck it say this is going to be a four hour five hour show yeah i know it's um attention spans have gone down a little bit too but but i don't know it's like do you remember the the covid show a couple years ago where they did it in the train station and it's just like it's do you know what I mean? It's like people like us are going to love it. And if you don't like it, whatever, just skip it and watch TikTok. <laughs> that's true. I mean, that's pretty much where we're at with everything right now. I know. It's basically don't watch and watch or watch TikTok. A couple other things I just wanted to highlight. So, best song. Okay. Tell me, can you sing? Do you know any part of the Lady Gaga song, Hold My Hand from Top Gun, Maverick? <laughs> I know it's in the movie, but no, I could not tell you anything about that song. Yeah, nobody watched Top Gun and was like, let me hear that Lady Gaga song. You, well, you what heard they were trying to do What they were trying to do with it, I know, is they were trying to be like, this is going to be the new Take My Breath Away or those old songs, and it just didn't work. It did not. Uh, it didn't. It didn't work at all. Rihanna got a nomination for she did a song for the Black Panther Wakanda Forever soundtrack couldn't tell you a lick of what that is now one of my favorite actresses of all time really quick before you move any further is angela bassett i was a little confused about her nomination she's gonna fucking win i mean i'm confused okay well, she's great well, she's well great we'll, we'll get to that we'll, we'll get the yeah, best that's we'll get fine to that go on there's a song not to not to which is in rr which is actually like a good song it's probably gonna win um when the song. dude who he um when he uh, picked up the award at the Golden Globes. It's just like an overweight 45-year-old Indian dude. <laughs> I was like, dude, cool. <laughs> you do you, buddy. You do uh, you. I know you're a talking heads guy. David Byrne got a nomination. Apparently, everything, everywhere, all at once. Wow. Um, got yeah, a nomination. I, did not, I did. Honestly, this, I didn't even yeah. know he did that till right now. Taylor Swift apparently got snubbed because she did a, a song for that movie where the crawdads sing. My point is... Can you name any of these fucking songs? Are these songs like even in the movie? I know not to not to because I do like RR and I know that's the awesome dance number song. But like, what are we doing here? It's like, fine, you want to have Rihanna or Taylor Swift or Lady Gaga at your show, I guess, whatever. But like, well, I'm saying is that LCD sound system got screwed and the songs and Bob's Burgers got screwed. (laughs) That is true, too. You know. Again, we are a long way off from uh, "My Heart Will Go On." You know, we're at least my heart. That was a thing in 1997. That's what I'm saying. It was a thing in 90. It was all back then. The song was a thing. Now these songs, come on, man. At least you know what I mean. Like the Disney songs, like that, like even something like "Let It Go." That was a a fucking huge thing. Do you know? Do you remember that? Like where every little girl, like, was had a YouTube video. Just clicked in my head today. Just at school, someone was like, who's Rihanna? Not to say she's not super popular because the kids were talking about the Super Bowl. But what I'm saying is, is these songs right here, none of them, they're not being played on the radio. They're not being played on the radio. These aren't songs that kid, anyone's really playing. 
I'm confused at how they got picked or even were, were considered. But the only good thing about White Noise was that LCD sound system song. I love LCD sound system quite a bit. So yes, I think that was. And what's hilarious is now every time I go in the grocery store, man, that's all I'm looking for is waiting for people to start dancing. <laughs> and I got to like get out of there real quick because I'm not going to join in on that. All right. So Angela, ba- here are the nominees for Best Supporting Actress. Angela Bassett for Wakanda Forever, Hong Chao for The Whale, Carrie Condon for Banshees of Inishirin, and Jamie Lee Curtis and Stephanie, I don't know how to pronounce last name, Sao, both from Everything Everywhere All at Once. Okay. Did any of those performances like blow you away? <laughs> I, I, let me. I love, and when I say I, I honestly, and I've only watched it once, and I'm really going to watch it again. But the Banshees has stuck with me. Um, one thing that has not stuck with me is her performance. I couldn't even tell you anything about it right now. I mean, yeah. she's in the movie and she does a pretty good job, but like a performance where you're like, we're going to give it to her. This is it. You know, Jamie Lee Curtis. If Jamie like Lee Curtis was not, I think Jamie it's Lee... funny. I do not think it's nominated worthy. I think I this not... is her first nomination, and I think this is a nomination of We Love Jamie Lee Curtis. That's... Let's give her a nomination. Well, I think Stephanie Zhu, who plays. Gave it to her for that awful Halloween movie that came out. <laughs> at, least, no. at least Stephanie Zhu, who plays the daughter, like gives a really good performance. Um, I, like I said, we haven't seen The Whale. I like Hong Chao. I'm sure she's fine and good in the movie. I think it's. The... Man, some. The... If you like aren't winning in a, at a uh, an actor Academy Award, I think your performance is just kind of fine. I feel like there's a lot of performances that just don't stand out. Well, none of these to me. I mean, all right. I, I mean, if we're not going to play it right now, but if we played a game called The Whale, and I said. Tell me what happens in that movie right now. You could tell me everything that happens in that movie. Now, that being said, let's imagine what her performance is like in that movie. Um, I bet it's honestly out of all these performances, from everything considering, I would say her performance seems to be the one that seems to be the most authentic to be nominated for. I definitely don't think it's Stephanie Hizu, Jamie Lee Curtis, Carrie Condon. Maybe Angela Bassett could be, you know, but I guess it's Listen, I say this not, not having not seen The Whale. So, like, I may see it and be like, you know what? I'm an idiot. I changed my mind. She's great in it. But, like, I'm just saying, imagine a, ner- imagine a nurse coming right. in to take care of somebody in that movie and who Brendan Fraser is playing. And you're telling yourself, yeah. okay, that could have a little bit of teeth. And then you, you'd never seen it. But, like, you look at those other performances, like Angela Bassett, you watch Black Panther 1. You know her performance is going to be more, and I love her. I already brought up what love's got to do with it. She's one of my favorites, but I'm sure I she's. Great. I, I find it hard. This isn't going to be like a Heath Ledger and fucking Joker, just like transcendent performance. I'm sure she's fine in the movie. I don't know. I have a, I have a hard time believing that she's like this is an Academy Award winning performance in the movie, and maybe it is. Maybe I'm being ignorant because again, I haven't seen it. I'm talking out of my ass. <laughs> Did you see your boy Brian Tyree Henry got a nomination for a movie I haven't fucking heard of? <laughs> he got not. I keep going a little. He, he got a supporting nomination. So I've seen it on my Twitter feed. Apparently, there's this movie where he and Jennifer Lawrence are in this Apple TV Plus movie called Causeway. Okay. So Brian Tyree Henry's great, and he got a nomination for this movie. And Park is like, who else are you going to give it to? Because God forbid we give. 
Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie and Diego Calva nominations for the uh, for Babylon. So if we're not doing that, Causeway. What is this movie? I yeah. So, movie. like I said, Paul Mescal got a nomination for a movie called After Sun, and Bill Nighy got a movie uh, got a nomination for a movie called Living. I'm telling you right now, I'm never seeing any of these fucking movies. <laughs> Bill Nighy's great. I'm sure Paul Mescal's great. I'm never, I'm never seeing any of these movies. I, I one list. I almost got. I got mad earlier, but I, I realized now that it was a printing error. It was for the directing. And what it looked like was that they were giving like one nomination to one of the guys from Everything Everything's Now and then like a second one to the other guy. And I was like, are you serious? They're literally splitting these two idiots up for it or not. But what? I'm not idiots. They're, they're, they're good directors. I mean, I just couldn't believe that they weren't giving it together. But looking at the actual Oscar page here, they are together, which is oh, yeah, they're the two, fair. Two I was going to say, like, how could you give one of these directors to one of them and not the oh, other man. one when they're working together? But yeah. Triangle of Sadness, what is that movie about? Are you familiar with that at all? Yeah, this was Matt's favorite movie of the year. Yeah, he said it. I mean, I don't remember. I I do not. It's, I, a, it's a foreign movie. I've um, seen a lot of people on their list like it. I just don't remember what the plot is. It's I, like Woody that. Harrelson is this like boat captain and it's a bunch of like rich people on a boat and things go awry. That's the one he was talking about? Yeah. Okay, I gotta watch that one. Um, have it's you seen... Foreign, you said it's a foreign movie, but Woody Harrelson in it? Yeah, it's a foreign movie except for Woody Harrelson. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I think it's like French or Dutch or something. Interesting. I, I actually like it. I do want to see it. Um, and now it gives me an excuse. Like, I need to see a bunch of movies. Like the Fablemans, what that I don't know when that movie's gonna be streaming. I need to see that. Um Top Gun Maverick got a fucking writing nomination. <laughs> that movie out of all the positive things you can say about the movie, well written is not really one of them. Well, I like that movie, but we're getting well, a little bit too say what, like well written it would be like in for, in kindergarten when you don't get the coloring out of the coloring lines. That's like what they didn't do. Like they got the color in it and it was good, but you're not going to give them like a, a degree for all five grades for just staying in the in the lines. But it's different. But you know, I don't. Know. But do you mean like I do want to see the Fablemans? I do want to see Triangle of Sadness. I do want to see Women Talking. I'll probably never see Avatar: The Way of Water. Um. You know what? I'd only honestly, yeah. Now that I won't be, if, if, now that I won't be watching it on the big screen, I'm sure I'll watch it like in the background somewhere. But I'm definitely not excited to see that movie. I don't know uh, why. I think too much time's passed from the first one. But listen, we're gonna. I think we should break down all ten films like we did the last last year. Well, of course we will. You know, beforehand, but well, we will. I think honestly, though, I think for all these nominations, I think it's you know, Angel Bassett's gonna win, Kate Blanchett's gonna win. Kiwi Kwan's gonna win. I think it I think Austin Butler's gonna win because it'll piss me off. Um and I think the Fablemans is probably gonna win at least one of Best Picture or Best Director. Well, okay, I'll 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 let a little guilty pleasure out on the show. I don't like Austin Butler, but I do like Elvis a little bit more than I think I let on because of its stupidity, which should never be nominated for it's like Roadhouse. You wouldn't, you know, how much I love Roadhouse, yeah. but I would never sit there or Big Trouble in Little China, and I would never be like, you know, Kurt Russell, give him the nomination. Now, I love that movie, but it's a different type of movie, just like I feel that uh, that's a different type of movie. 
A film we didn't talk about is uh, Glass Onion. It ended up getting a Best Screenplay nomination for Ryan Johnson. So let's use it as a transition to rank the films of Ryan Johnson. All right, let's do it. Ryan Johnson also, very coincidentally, uh, after we decided we were doing this topic, uh, has a new show on Peacock starring Natasha Leone, Which actually looks... And I think uh, Adrian Brody's in it and a couple other people. I just stumbled upon that too i didn't really know that that was coming out i think that's good. part of why natasha leone was like in a has a cameo in the zoom video at the very beginning with um mm. benoit blanc playing that game that makes sense that makes sense all right um hold on a second before we go any further i forgot to play that was my oscar music that i forgot to play <laughs> i would feel bad if i didn't use it okay all right, in 2005, his very first film starring the incomparable Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Brick. I really like Brick. Brick's awesome. I mean, it's a, it's, it's, um, if you haven't seen it, it's basically a hard-boiled detective story, but um, told through a high schooler. It's a really fun neo-noir mystery. And I think that's like it really sets up the career of Johnson because I think he's really great at taking these genre movies and turning them on its head a little bit. You know, not he's not doing um, a noir movie; he's doing a noir movie set in high school. Um, and it's got style up the wazoo. It's really fun. It's really good. It's before Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Like it was after he, you know, was a kid star and in, in, in the Alpha, but before he blew up again. Um, I think after Five Hundred Days of Summer. Um, it's catching JG on like a really interesting point of his career. And I think this was a, like a really solid movie. If you like want to catch up on the films of uh, Ryan Johnson. I mean, definitely Joseph Gordon-Levitt's performance is, is really, really good. Um, I even think he's uh, like just his overall demeanor in the movie is different than anything. I think he had done before this movie. I mean, what I like about Rayon Johnson that I've actually tried to pay attention a lot more lately is does the director write and he writes, there hasn't been a movie he hasn't directed that he hasn't written, which is actually pretty cool when you think about Hollywood and how people get involved that he's been able to write, you know, all of his movies and this movie, you know, it's, it's got a lot of other good performances in it too. And, you know, Rayon captured all of that. Yeah, if you have a, I don't, this, I don't know, this movie should be streaming. If it is, if it's not, I mean, or if it does, I highly recommend catching up with it. It's a solid film. You know, it definitely is something that is uh, definitely worth the, um, you know, to watch. It is currently um, not streaming anywhere for free. Yeah, God forbid. Yeah. <laughs> God forbid we just, Ryan Johnson has like six films. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, next up is 2008's The Brothers Bloom. The only one of his I haven't seen. Can you talk about Which, it? Um, I guess now that I'm looking at the poster, that might explain why Mr. Brody is back on this television show because he is in the uh, Blother, the Blothers, the Brothers Bloom. Um, to me, the movie isn't, isn't, it's probably for me his least memorable film. Um, and I think it's kind of what it kind of put him on a pause for a little bit. Um, not, not a long time or anything. Um, but 
it's just it's not as strong as because he takes a four-year break until looper um this movie had a 20 million dollar budget and it only took in five million dollars so you're saying to yourself you know honestly people like that ran was really lucky to bounce to bounce back and 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 and, and keep trying to, to his craft but I think it's his most is definitely his most forgettable movie. Great, great, great actors and actresses in the movie, but just you're not missing much. Do you know what he did after this movie to help rebound his career? Actually, no, I don't. He do directed do? the three best episodes that Breaking Bad has ever done. Really? I you know, I might have heard that, but if you asked me like on a trivia, I would not have guessed that. That's really good. So Ryan Johnson has you keep saying Rianne, it's actually pronounced Ryan. I know I'm, I'm the king of uh, Rafe. Um, now it's well, that's, Ry- that, that like makes sense because it's R A L P A. She's yes, stupid. but I don't want to ever be a man. Like I'm still watching. Ralph the, Fiennes. Uh, who's the guy from uh, Chippendales? Camille Nanjiani. I've asked you probably if if they if we had uh, people taking a shot every time I said that, asked you who how to pronounce something, people would be drunk on our show. Um, <laughs> you know how do you pronounce it again one more time, and I'll never mess it up. No, Ryan. Ryan. It's just Ryan. Okay. Just Ryan. It's an Irish way of spelling Ryan. Ryan. Okay. See, look at that. Ryan. I, um, I've been saying Ryan for. for yeah. I mean, it looks like, like Ryan. Uh, it's, it's just Ryan. The, almost like Fleetwood Mac. Ryan. So, in Ryan Johnson directed three episodes of Breaking Bad. He directed Fly, which is just an incredible episode of television. He then directs um, 51, which is the train heist. And then he directs the best episode the show's ever done, an Ozymandias. Those are really good episodes. Like, if Letterboxd would let me rank TV shows, Breaking Bad might be his number one. I think Ozymandias is, like, the best thing he's ever directed. That episode's so fucking good. It's, like, the best episode of television ever made. Really good. Really, really, really good. Um, Then he directs a little film in 2012 called Looper. You've got your boy Paul Dano, Ooh. not the lead, but uh, reunites with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Is Paul Dano the one that gets his limbs cut off, or is that someone else? It, I think he is the one who gets his limbs cut off. That's such a great sequence. It's such a good sequence. I, it's it's a really, 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 really good movie that I think, again, for people who have seen it, I think it, they weren't looking, it wasn't something that was like, heavily expected to be really awesome but it it really was this is the type of sci-fi movie i love it's got a lot of action in it and it's smart and it's got a great one of the best things about looper so it's a time travel story and there's a scene where joseph gordon levin and bruce willis's character who played the same different versions of the same person are like bruce willis was like i could sit here all day and explain time travel to you and it doesn't fucking matter which is like don't think about it too hard. It doesn't fucking matter. It's Bruce Willis. He's coming back. And it's an awesome story. <laughs> I mean, the, just think of the it that story way. is really kind of where, you know, I mean, definitely. I mean, Jeff Daniels is in it too. He I just Jeff rolls pretty. pretty Actually, let, let's set it up a little bit. Um, Joseph Gordon Levitt and Paul Dano, their characters where um, they work for the mob. The mob sends people back in time. And people like Gordon Levitt and Dano's character kill um, them to get rid of the evidence and get rid of the bodies um, like 30 years in the future. Um, Eventually what starts happening is that these characters called loopers 
they start killing older versions of themselves. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt realizes that his older version, played by Bruce Willis, has been sent back. He obviously doesn't kill him. Um, and then Bruce Willis goes on the hunting spree to kill the tinier version of the man who ends up being the crime boss, comes across Emily Blunt, and like uh, like the second half of the movie. Uh, this movie's just fucking dope. This movie is like so well made, and it's it's an original story that like just wouldn't get made ten years later. No, I mean, you know, I'm actually kind of shocked that you know, and I know now they probably never will, but that they didn't try to do a sequel to it. But yeah, part of it is like I don't want a sequel. This film's like kind of too good. Oh, like, just leave it alone. It, why do you know what's so funny though is that you know other movies like okay, Batman Begins. That's a great movie. They should never made another one. That's that's different. <laughs> I got so... you that time. I didn't get you earlier. That time I got you. But that being said, you're right. It's a perfect movie, and I think now with Ryan's career, it's Ryan's career. It definitely should be. Um, definitely, I'd know. rather him do Benoit Blanc movies than remake than do a Looper sequel. And also, well, like it ended kind of in a way where it'd be really hard to do. A sequel. I know, and I, I don't think he necessarily was looking for sequel either. I mean, you think about the last movie I mentioned, the money. This movie made four times back its money, so that's what put him in the position to do to do the next one yeah i also before before we do that movie i know that's a good segue a really underrated thing that i like about this movie is that joseph gordon levin and bruce willis obviously don't look alike but they didn't heavily put too much prosthetic on gordon levin like they did his nose a little bit and that was kind of it and i thought it's like that's how you do really good movie makeup you don't need to put like a huge latex bag over joseph gordon levitt's face to look like bruce willis because also god forbid bruce willis does anything in the makeup chair to make himself look like joseph gordon levitt that's not gonna happen but regardless like they, they kind of messed with gordon levitt's nose a little bit and it's like that's it and it's like i thought he 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 did look like he made a convincing younger version at least physically of bruce willis which i thought was like a really smart move on ryan johnson in the movie's part he did it made the movie you know definitely um, that was one of the things I was thinking about too. Was just the whole prosthetics was definitely really good. Yeah, but as you alluded to, this is a science fiction movie that made a lot of money, which is I'm sure part of the reason Kathleen Kennedy tapped in to do the second uh, in the in the eight nine seven eight nine, the Last Jedi. This movie, I I'm pretty sh- I'm like pretty convinced like the hate is like mostly bots. Like, it's just, like, Russian Farm Factory. Like, I don't understand. This is, like, clearly the best of, like, it's better than the two J.J. Abrams movies. And when I kill you, I will have killed the last Jedi. Amazing. Every word of what you just said was wrong. The rebellion is reborn today. Well, I'm here. I come to be the bearer of bad news. It, no, you're wrong. It's it deserved all the hate that it got when it came out. Do you really don't like it? It's I, I'm trying to be more positive in my movie thing. I walked out of the movie theater very upset, but like I don't, I, th- I don't think it's like a good movie. I just think it's better than the garbage J.J. Abrams movie. I think the first Abrahams was good. I think the second one was garbage. I think it could have been a lot better. I think I Fourth th- Awakens was a good. 
because what you needed was to bring everybody back on board. And I think they did that. What they needed was this, but then what they needed for the next one was to finish, to finish this. If this is where they were going, this is like a separate, it feels on its own compared to the other two, I guess. Well, part of like, again, talking about Johnson, like putting his own spin on genre films, like he overtly was telling the fans, let the past die. Like, stop getting hung up on your childhood nostalgia and just enjoy this film for what it was. And I think that pissed off a lot of people. I'm sure if you went and paid to go see the Chili Peppers, you'd say, put that nostalgia away. Play your new album. That's all I want to hear. No, that's not what you would do. Just like the fans, the older people, they want to see some of the older this stuff. I didn't like, okay, I'm sorry. I didn't like, I thought Luke Skywalker on that little island was was lame man he's been hiding out on that little thing with those little furry things and i'm supposed to be like wow man this is cool this i like that a lot because i i think a lot of the post four five six movies are a lot of hot garbage and a lot of shittiness and i don't think the force awakens is very good and i think it's if like you just like want to watch the 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 prequel movies then like watch the prequel movies but like i don't need to see you remake the prequel movies, Let which is what Force Awakens was. I think you've said, I don't want to speak, but you're not a Star Wars. You're not like what you would deem. Before these new movies came out, did you see one, two, or three at the theater? Like, of course. Uh, okay. So you've, so you, what's your favorite one of all of these? Of what, what do you mean all of these? All of the Star everything of Star Give me your top three of everything with Star Wars. Just really um, La- New Hope, Empire, Rogue One. Okay, never uh, mind. You're good enough. That's good <laughs> enough. That, you've passed my test. I was just curious to see where you were. And that that's those are all fair and honest answers. And honestly, you've answered that compared to that. I get what you're saying. I guess I liked Harrison in the force awakens um more than i liked Le- princess leia in this movie she was bad man i mean when you're talking about bad acting and bad actressing she's old I- she's in it I'm for sorry. like sorry carrie fisher I-, I love you to death she's in it for like two scenes before she gets like weirdly when she exploded. floats out in outer space yeah that part was dumb that's the whole movie it's not the whole movie i know know. it's not the whole movie listen but there are are parts i i don't like i don't like the trip to the casino no i thought that part was dumb i thought at least like was trying to do different things i did like visually the end that scene in the desert i thought that looked pretty good i and i i liked it because it ryan johnson was perp like so much of star wars is black and white right it's like it is good and it is evil and there's nothing in between and johnson was kind of playing with that um i I respect him for it i don't i think there's a lot of problems with this movie and i think ryan johnson had a tough time trying to play master to everyone well yeah um and i think it kind of shows in the final product but i respect i i personally i respect his vision and what he wanted to do with the franchise and i would have personally preferred to see his vision versus the jj abrams vision see personally i would have rather never had this vision and has seen where he would have went after force awakens because i don't understand number one they handed out the three directors before this like colin yeah, I, out. hey you know we're gonna get the guy from jurassic world to do the third one 
I do think like part well, of it is a Catholic. They said, you know, no, yeah. you know. Well, I mean, they fired a lot of people because I, I kind of think Kathleen Kennedy is bad at her job. Yeah, like, well, well. I think if like you're gonna have JJ do the first one and have Ryan Johnson turn in the script, like you, you needn't have been like, no, Ryan, I respect your vision. We're not doing that. We're gonna go into something more JJ Abrams' vision, or. He should have been like, okay, this, and just like stuck with their guns and be like, this is just the new vision we're going with. And said that she tried to have her cake and need it too and went back to JJ for the last one. And that movie's a pile of pot garbage because she's like, JJ tried to take the franchise in a different direction. There was a lot of public outrage. I do think there are a lot of bots. I mean, maybe some people don't like it as well, but like it got so much hate that Kathleen Kennedy like just flipped the script in mid. You know, as she's juggling the balls in the air, and just said, "Okay, you know, JJ, we need you to quote unquote fix it." Well, well, well let's start again. Ryan was never doing three from the get go, right? But what I'm saying is, like, Kath, like so the, Colin, you should, you should, so from the get go, they signed those three, right? But what I'm so saying what is were, that what were they doing with that third one without JJ Abrams? Because they, had yeah, I don't. Doing it. I think I think you should have had a like if you're gonna have three different directors because by the way four five and six are all different directors. If you're gonna do that, like have a cohesive plan for where you wanted the franchise. If you wanted JJ to do all three, they should have just had JJ do all three. Well, it just shows that however bad people talked about George Lucas and how he walked around behind the scenes, it wasn't as bad as Kathleen Kennedy walking around probably behind. I mean, the scenes. George Lucas. I mean, I think the as much as I don't like eight, uh, seven, eight, nine, I loathe one, two, three. I think those movies are some of the worst movies ever made. Well, I will say one, yes, but three is actually a pretty good. Three is way better than the Last Jedi. Oh, I strongly disagree. Oh well, put 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 the put that up. I'd like to see what the reaction of fans for that one because. That's actually one. I want to see three movies of a Senate talking and debating. The first two, but that third movie is pretty, pretty solid. Third movie is like my least favorite of them. I hate them. I hate them. Yeah, I hate the first. You don't like Blade Runner 2049. That's true. I don't. I don't like boring things. This, what is this? This movie was, this movie was a slodge, man. Going to that little, that little thing. And they're just like the little furry things going around. There was no excitement there. Gotta sell merch, baby. We gotta do something, I guess. All right, now. All right. Speaking of uh, LCD sound system, he did an LCD sound system music video Ooh, in 2018. That's he directed cool. their "Oh Baby" music video. No, he does. That's a, that's he does a great nice song. One. That's actually that's a really it. good video too. Yeah. David Strathern is in that video, I believe. Really oh, that's good. why he's in the thumbnail. Makes sense. Anyway, talking about turning the genre convention on his head, he does "Knives Out." The first of the Benoit Blanc trilogy. Uh, speaking of Anna Darmus, a kind of breakout performance from her a little bit. It's got your boy Michael Shannon. He's cool. He's um, I mean, this is uh, Johnson's take on Agatha Christie, like classic Agatha Christie story. And I think it's really well executed and it's as best as it could be. I just don't personally care for that type of genre so him playing having fun within that genre is just kind of like eh to me like i like it i just don't like people love this movie or like this should get a best picture nomination i think "Mm, it's fine like i like glass onion better that's kind of how i lay too with this um i think 
you know, I really like this movie from the 80s with Tim Curry called Clue, which I think this tries to do, and it's not as fun. I think the storyline, you know, I was thinking about this today. I was actually laughing because, you know, I've told you multiple times how, oh, got taken to Pulp Fiction. I saw this movie, that movie. But what makes me laugh is that me and my mom would watch, like, the murder mysteries, and like so like to me those are some and they don't even have those anymore that's why i guess i like primal fear so much is because of the twist ending twists twists are for me if you could pull off a twist this movie the twist was late it, it didn't have it for me and i think that's why i didn't enjoy the movie as much because it didn't it was pretty much your description of the star Wars. the last three star wars movies was this movie like it started out like really cool. The middle's like, okay, this is getting interesting. And then the ending was like, whoa, what happened here? We're all over the place. That's kind of how I felt about it. I like the twist. I liked where they, they took the film. I found it interesting and compelling. I just, I didn't love it as much as a lot of people on the internet seem to really have loved this movie. Like there was the convention, like at the time, you could have up to 10 Best Picture nominees, and this year, when 2019, there were nine. Like, there was talk where if there was a 10th, it would have been Knives Out. Um, I don't know. I, 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 it's good. I don't really... Some of it's a me problem. Like I said, I don't really enjoy the the genre it's playing in, but also, like, I didn't, like, super love this movie either. Well, I mean, I'll be really honest with you. If the twist really worked for you wouldn't you have probably liked the movie more isn't that the whole point of the movie is to add up to the twist but i mean i think i liked it more than you did yeah you did but i'm saying like i think these movies specifically like take for instance a movie that like fight club if the ending of fight club doesn't add up i fucking hate the ending of fight club can i be honest with you well, it's not even that you hate it. You might not like with the choice that they made, but is it a choice? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a, a lot choice. better of a choice than this. Oh, nineteen ninety-eight, ninety-seven. When that movie come out? Uh, ninety-nine. Name us the ending that was like that before. I mean, that's not even Hold the best on. twist I'll, ending I'll of nineteen ninety-nine. Wait, what? That wasn't even the best twist of ninety-nine. It's not even. Not, I'm not talking about a twist like that. Psycho. A twist like that is better. No, that's nowhere near the same thing. Well, I think the twist of Fight Club sucks. So like, I don't know. But see, that's where we differ on the show. You go your personal experience. I'm talking about is it legitimately as a writer a good written scene? Now you can't. You there's things that you hate. You can't say. Well, that's actually really good. I just don't like it. But the reason I don't like the twist of Fight Club is because you can't rewatch that movie because it doesn't make sense once you know the twist. Man, take a bunch more edibles. <clears throat> Just make me sleepy. <laughs> That's the fun part, though. It's like Shutter Island. You hate that movie. I know you do. I'm actually rewatching Shutter Island right now. That being okay, said. Okay, usual, usual Suspects. That's a twist. That's a better twist that came out before. Well, yeah, I mean, I, that's exactly the first one I thought of. It's not even better. If we're talking twists, good twists, better twists, I could name a thousand better than Fight Club. I don't even like Fight Club's ending. I'm just saying, is it original? I hate it. Is it original, though? Yes. Uh, 
Not original? Guy, the whole movie, you're thinking... Don't, think the don't, whole... don't spoil it for people. For people, if I'm sorry, folks. If you don't know Fight Club at this moment... We have younger DM viewers, me, man. DM me, and I'll take you to a movie on me. People love the twist. I personally, I know. It. I just, it's, 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 I get it. It's a preference thing. But All that right. being said, we've got off believe, track. No, yeah. Glass Onion. I do believe that this one was better than the other one. I feel like we've talked a lot about Glass Onion. We don't have to talk uh, more in, about in it. Recent, but like, because we're going to make this a YouTube segment, we'll just say we both like Glass Onion a lot. We liked it better than Knives Out. Felt those a much more enjoyable watch. Like, it was more of a, I've heard it was more of a puzzle movie than a murder mystery. I don't know what that means, but Edward Norton's great in it. Very good. Very All right, good. Let, let's rank. What is that? Six, six films, movies. Yes, and Breaking Bad is number one. So, <laughs> what are the six yeah. movies he directed that aren't as good as Ozymandias? All right, so you pretty much are gonna probably. I'll just I'll I'll spit them out here, and you tell me what yeah. you think of this. It's pretty much gonna be at the very bottom that that one. Number um, six, The Brothers Bloom. Yes. Um, number five would be The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi. Number four would be um, Knives Out. Number three would be Glass, Glass Onion. Onion. Brick. What? Yeah, I like Brick more than Glass Onion. Yeah. So, and then we'll go either Brick or Looper. Or Looper or oh, Brick. You Looper's go. Looper's by far number one. All right, Looper one, Brick two, Glass Onion three. Knives Out 4, Last Jedi 5, and then the Brothers Beautiful 1, the, the, the last one. Actually, I, I mean, I agree with you. And I, I like Last Jedi more than you. So, but those all seem pretty. Do you like Last Jedi more than Knives Out? No. Okay. So, like, I like it first, but I mean, I like it as a Star Wars movie, but it's, I mean, to me, that's a low bar. I think there's a lot of bad Star Wars movies <laughs> outside of the first two, really. Uh, All right. You want to talk about this Violent Night? Violent Night is a 2022 movie starring David Harbour. Uh, let's see. All right, type in 2022 into. I thought you, you were looking at your screen. I thought you were going to put the, the movie posters. Uh, like up on the screen, like in order. Oh, 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 yes. No, I've never done that before. Okay. But you know what? <laughs> I can't. That's what you're doing. You know what? Answer. I can. You know what I can start doing? I can start doing that. So we'll do that for next time. It's just going to be a weird end. Like, just cut cut that segment, and it's just going to end on a weird pauses looking at each other. Well, that's, uh, hey, you know, it's like they're staring into our, our nothings where we're all good. Violent Night is directed by this cat named Tommy Workola. It also stars John Leguizamo, Edie Patterson, basically just reviving her character from Righteous Gemstones, <laughs> Alex Hassel, and Beverly D'Angelo. I can I be honest with you? I like didn't I knew like it, it had some, I thought this was a legit horror movie. Because mm-hmm. it's got a picture like of David Hart, like the picture you can see on the screen. But if you ever see the the poster of it, it's him with like blood on his face, and he's got a candy cane in his mouth, like a cigar. And I thought this was like a a horror movie, so I was like, I'm not watching this fucking movie. 
before you pause right there, and I'm going to let you a little bit behind the curtain more tonight, folks. Um, like my father in the past, you are, I only present you things that I know I have at least a 70% chance it's something that you may or may not enjoy, but at least it's in your wheelhouse. I knew this had nothing to do with horror. Yeah, it was more like Die Hard on Christmas. This and, literally is Die Hard, both Santa Claus as... Yeah. And I, that's John why Clay. when I saw it was coming on and I was like... And David Harbour, I read, I heard it was action. I'm like, you know what? It's free on Peacock. Let's give this a spin. What'd you think? I really enjoyed this movie. Yeah, it was fun. It was really fun. It's when I say it's Santa Claus is John McClane, it's like almost literally Santa Claus is John McClane and John Leguizamo plays the uh, Alan Rickman part. He does. And he did a good, I mean, it was, and there's it was, like a little bit nods to Bad Santa and Home Alone. Yes. Yes. Um, but it's like when I, it's like almost verbatim <laughs> diehard. But I will say, like, as much as I like this movie, I kind of don't want to see Santa Claus as an action star. I think that was like my main problem with it. Like, well, why not? I don't know. There's something about like, cause it's, it's not like, Oh, this is a, a guy dressed up as Santa Claus. This is like actual Santa Claus as like an action hero. And I was like, this is just kind of weird. I mean, it... like I liked it cause it had a lot of good um, fight scenes and stuff in it. And it's like hard to go wrong with the exact premise of Die Hard. But you know, it, it, the thing it's about still was Santa Claus. I was like, "That's kind of weird." You know, it, it's definitely just kind of. It, well, that's the thing about the movie is that they add a little bit of Santa's mysticism in there too, with like the bag and stuff, with the presents, and like yeah. there's like little the dust and stuff like that. I know what they're doing. It's another thing, you know, and like, again. It's like supposed to be campy. Sorry, they already got sequel lined up. You know, um, I really just think, you know, it's just they found another little niche. uh, A Santa action niche. Uh, Okay, so this movie had about a $20 million budget and it grossed $75 million worldwide. So it didn't make a whole lot of money. It made, but um, it, in that time period for this kind of movie, rated R movies, yeah, don't make a lot. I also they've like, already said that they're going to be going to the North Pole in the sequel, and they're going to find out who Mrs. Claus is. <laughs> and he have already stated that they want Charlize Theron as Mrs. Claus. I mean, why not? <laughs> but that being said, you know, we'll I want Charlize be- Theron to be in my movie too. Yeah, who doesn't? You know. Who does not? Um, I also will say I feel like I needed Leguizamo to be like twenty percent hammier or better. Um, like Alan yeah. Rickman is like so fucking good in Die Hard, and I know it's like hard to ask another actor to 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 pull off a character as iconic as Rickman ended up playing that character. But like, I thought Leguizamo was just fine. I wish he was a little better. Leguizamo was Leguizamo. I mean, Leguizamo. He's playing your your typical bad guy spouting off jerk off lines and stuff like that throughout the whole movie. He doesn't have the like the uh, the bravado as a as a you know as as a as a Hans Gruber. You know what I'm saying? Your direct action against me. We have no wish for further loss of life. 
that's a little Hans Gruber, you know. You gotta get the real thing here. But the movie, I think, was still the point. Yeah, it was good. It, you know, it was, it was a good little action movie. And also, again, it definitely it helped that this was not a horror movie. Well, yeah, for, for 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 probably for you, yes, yes. You know, because you probably wouldn't have watched it if it was a horror movie. But then again, I can't imagine asking you. I've yet I to ask the Black you to watch any kind of horror movie that's been like a, a horror movie. I watched the Black Phone because of you. That movie wasn't a horror movie. That's that like was a horror movie. Isn't seven this wasn't scary, a good one. Is Seven scarier than the Black Phone? No. Yes, it is. It's very much scarier than the Black Phone. I'm telling you, man. Jump scares freak the fuck out of me. Jump seven. Seven was a hundred times more scarier than the Black Phone. I love a phone? Seven. Like, watch. Adam, is this you? Is That's this you? Jump like, scare was. You can't. Your mind can't go. Like, just come like, on now. This is the camera. Oh, there's a kid there. A killer coming around the seven deadly sins that that spooked the hell out of me but you know i think it was because maybe i now it doesn't scare me nothing really scares me well i mean how old were you are not that 14 15 but still i mean i look at horror movies now and they're either this is how horror movies either work they're either going to be cheesy and fun or they're just good like there's a new one coming out this weekend with alexander skarsgård and it's directed by David Cronenberg's son. And this movie's supposed to be so graphic that it's uh, close to being rated. At. Like, I don't want to watch scary movies like that. I That's because, watch- well, I mean, Cronenberg, like the Cronenberg family is such a thing with like body violence. I know, but like, I don't need I to see body violence. See that. I don't want to see that either. But, you know, but that that's that's maybe for some. All right, I don't have a good transition. Let's talk about 1970s films. All right, 1970s films. Where is my Last week we talked uh, 70 to 74. This we're going to talk 75 to 79. Yes, yes, yes. I will say, though, like speaking of Oscars, man, what a great fucking decade for Oscars getting it right. Lots, for the most part. Lots and lots and lots and lots of good, good stuff. Hey, I wrote right. this down. The, especially okay, seventy five. Four. Oh, okay, here are the the five best picture nominees for seventy five. One flew over the cuckoo's nest, Dog Day Afternoon, Jaws, Barry Lyndon, and Nashville. What a fucking murderer's row! Yeah, I mean you can't. It's like what Barry Lyndon's probably five out of five, and it's like the Kubrick film is your fifth worst movie out of your nominees. I mean that's back to when picks were. We're a little bit better, a little feeling, a little bit more best picturey. When, when movies were actually good, yeah. yeah. You know, one one flew over the cuckoo's nest is one of three movies to win best picture, best director, best actor, best actress, and best screenplay. Did not know that. Not off the top of my head. No. Yeah. Very cool. Very. The, cool. the last one to do it was Silence of the Lambs. Hmm. And then I think like Wings or something did it, like the first one, but. One, yeah, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest dominated the Academy Awards that year. And as much as I love Dog Day and Jaws, I still would probably pick Cuckoo's Nest even now. I love One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I think Jack Nicholson's fucking great in that movie. Early Danny DeVito. I mean, you're talking about, I mean, when you're going across the board, I mean, a pretty close to perfect movie from my perspective. Uh, so 19... Um, I think we've talked about this recently. The sight and sound—they're a bunch of pretentious British pricks. They recently, like a couple weeks ago, 
came out with their 100 best movies. And number one is this like French movie called Jean Dielman. Mm-hmm. It technically came out in 75. Uh, I have absolutely no interest in watching it because <laughs> it seems like a three-hour movie of a lady just lounging around her house. And I hate pretentious sight and sound. So Pretentious, pretentious back then is a hundred times for me a lot worse than pretentious now yeah because now just now it's like just david lynch and well well, pretentious now is the bardo where you're taking a camera and you're flying it over in zoom shots and stuff like that and it's just a lot um 75 also had rocky horror picture show which is just one of the all-time great midnight movies ever you ever see uh shampoo from 75 no it's a great, great Warren Beatty movie where he plays a hairstylist who keeps falling in bed with like seven, eight different women. So it's basically a, Warren it, Beatty it, in real it, life. It's, it's a job that I wish I can go back in college and it would have been an awesome one. He just carries around a blow dryer. Goldie Hawn is in it. Really young Goldie Hawn. Really awesome movie. Uh, 75 also had Mighty Python and the Holy Grail, which is like pound for pound, one of the funniest movies ever made still. Um, it's Adam, so quotable. Adam G will get mad if we don't bring up he likes this movie with James Caan, Rollerball from 75, the original Rollerball, um, an action one. Not a lot of, you know, if you think about the 70s, I mean, action wasn't on high display. I mean, I think that kind of got more introduced in the 80s, but Rollerball's pretty good. You got any more for 75? No, I'm done with 75. All right, 76. All right, so here, I don't remember what the fifth one was, but a kind of another murderer's row of Best Picture nominees. Rocky, Network, All the President's Men, and Taxi Driver. Yeah. Uh, I think if you go back, you don't give it to Rocky as much as we all like Rocky. Um, No, you definitely don't give it to Rocky. I would probably give it to Network, although I won't be mad at All the President's Men either. But... Regardless, I don't. I actually think you can go wrong. I probably shouldn't have given it to Rocky, but maybe should have given it to Network Presidents Men or Taxi Driver, which are all kind of infinitely superior movies. Yeah, definitely. Um, you had the Bad News Bears original came out that year. You had Carrie, Brian De Palma. John was is Assault on Precinct Thirteen Carpenter. Yes, it sure was. Oh yeah, it was for his very first, very first movie. There's a really great documentary. It's like one of the, like really like helped to set the stage for documentaries. It's called Harlan County, USA. Mm-hmm. You ever seen it? No, I have not. Um, it's set in like the reason I knew about Harlan County in Justified was because of this documentary. It's about a, a coal worker strike um, in Kentucky. It's it's pretty incredible. I saw. I was. I took an intro to film class in college, and this was the documentary they had us watch. It's like fly on the wall. Really good. Sounds really good. I'll check that out. And the last one I had uh, was Marathon Man. Oh, just watched that last. Just watched that last week, and you should have seen me trying to explain the whole plot to my wife. That was that was fun. <laughs> great movie though. Great, great, awesome movie. You got any more on for Showtime. 76? On Showtime. <laughs> All right, yes. Silver Streak 2 is on 76 too. A really good Gene Wilder, Richard Pryor first together on the screen. 77, what do you got? Um, all right, so 
not as good of a best picture crop, but the two top of the heap were Annie Hall and Star Wars. Obviously, we can't talk about Annie Hall, but objectively, it's like a pretty great movie. Like if you're just talking about it as a movie, like I get it. It's still kind of hard to think that even in 1977, they're like, this is like, they looked at Star Wars and be like, now nah, we're going to give it to this Woody Allen talkie. Oh, man, you know, for a long time, like I, I, one of my favorite, some of my favorite lines, two of my favorite lines that I've said a lot come from that. Well, three, number one, um, people who can't teach become gym teachers. I love that line. Um, number two, I love the line where he goes, I never want to be part of a group that would have me as a member. I love that line a lot. And the scene in the movie that is probably my favorite was the introduction to everybody to Christopher Walken as he plays Diane Keaton's crazy brother who says that they're going to drive him to the airport. The movie, yes, it's a talkie, but that script, um, because I've watched a lot of his movies and a lot of, and a lot of them are really good, but he hit all the nails in that one for what I love the scene where they're offering Coke and he sneezes on it. Oh yeah. Great. Just great. Um, it's just a great portrait of like, I mean, it's probably Woody Allen's best made. It it is because it's pretty much his peak. Um, there's a lot of stuff in the seventies. That's really good before that, that he's rising. And after in the eighties, there's some good stuff, but you could start to see it. Um, it starts to become, even though I do like a lot match point blue Jasmine. I mean, some he's got later, some later, gooder, better stuff. Um, but Annie Hall though is, um, but star Wars, you know, I think that definitely could have, could have won back then too, though. I don't know how you look at Star Wars and look at just like it's like the best cinematic feat of movie making at the time and be like, nah. Yeah, but that's not what the Oscars ever was. I know. It's like <laughs> I liked your response. That was the best. It, it is. It's, but it's, you it's know like, what though? It should have been. I mean, in all the cases, it it could have been, it should have been. I mean, I, I wouldn't have been mad. It's you know, clearly Lucas should not be left to his own devices, but like him having people on the top of their game helping him to execute his vision, it's like some of the best costume design of all time. It's like one of the best scores of all time. It's one of the best production designs of all time. Like what it's it seems like chalk and cliche now because of you know how much Star Wars and just big budget blockbusters have dominated our lives especially yours and mine particular yeah. but in 1977 it's it's huge like if you huge. if you were to ask me like if you were making of the list like like an afi list of top 100 movies not necessarily like my favorite but like the objectively best i kind of would put i would make an argument for star wars number one i just think rightly or wrongly we have movie culture today because of Star Wars and what it was able to do at the time, I think it's just incredible. It just it sucks that like we don't also like we should have good independent movies and big budget blockbusters. Like we shouldn't just have Star Wars movies, like literal Star Wars movies now. <laughs> but like it's a game changer, man. It's fucking it's really fucking good. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um 77 also had 
It had a lot of great directors do kind of some of eh early work. I mean, Spielberg had Close Encounters, which isn't eh, but a uh, little bit lesser tier Scorsese with New York, New York, a little bit lesser tier Freakin with Sorcerer. I assume lesser tier Ridley Scott with the Duelist. And uh, I guess I shouldn't say lesser tier Lynch with Eraserhead, but David Lynch would also go on to make better films than Eraserhead. Yeah, I mean, Eraserhead would be like, I would deem it to be whatever that movie was before Memento. Was it Following? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that, you know? Honestly. I mean, I think it's better. I got to sit down. Honestly, I've watched every David Lynch film except Eraserhead and Elephant Man. Which are supposed to be some of his best. I've heard Elephant Man supposed to be really good, but you know, I'll, I have to get to those. Saturday Night Fever, seventy-seven. You ever see Saturday Night Fever? Nope. Classic. It is a. I mean, it was a huge movie. Um, another great documentary is Pumping Iron. Arnold Schwarzenegger and Lou Ferrigno in a bodybuilder competition. Like you really, your first look at Schwarzenegger. He comes out of the gate talking about how. Um, pumping iron is like jizzing. <laughs> it's like the yeah, first yeah. thing he says in the movie. Arnold Schwarzenegger is the best man. He is. He's great. And you really get a good behind the scenes of Schwarzenegger in the, in the movie. Like before he became like, you know, the Terminator. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's 1977, man. He's there. He is Arnold. He's Arnold. And then uh, Smokey and the Bandit. Yes. Gotta love it. The movie's great. Eastbound now. You got Mel Brooks doing high anxiety. You got a great, I think it's a good hockey, great hockey movie with Paul Newman, Slapshot. Oh, yeah. I miss Slapshot. Um, yeah, those are, I think those are the the goods. Slapshot was 77? Yes. Man, that's good for a 70s movie. Um, 1978. I don't know who the other Best Picture nominees are, but you got to give it to the Deer Hunter. Oh, yeah. Despite the hour long wedding scene. <laughs> no, that's a scene that really could have been cut down. I really hate that opening, but the whole Vietnam Russian roulette stuff's great. Um, I think Christopher Walken, I'm, I, I could look this up, but I'm just going to say it over a microphone. And if I'm wrong, you can correct me later. I'm pretty sure Walken won the Academy Award. He did. For this performance. Yeah, I'm, I'm, look, I'm, I'm on it right now, but yes, he, I believe he did. So this is a, a really great year for horror. Speaking of Carpenter, he comes out with Halloween this year. Yes. And uh, Romero comes out with Dawn of the Dead. That Those are, those are Dawn of the Dead is a and really just iconic horror movies. Oh, yes. Um, I got a little bit of uh, Cheech and Chong's first movie, Up in Smoke. You got, uh, I really like this movie a lot. It's called The Boys from Brazil. Um, that's a pretty good movie. Um, you got the, this movie called the big sleep. That's a pretty good movie. Um, it, it seems that though, it's not as strong as 77 or 76. But you know, it does have a bit more popcorn movies cause it has animal house, Greece and the whiz. Yes. You're a so, Greece fan. Um, I've like soured over soured about the film over time, but I mean, when I was young, those songs are catchy as fuck. Oh, yeah. This is the word. Did Olivia Newton-John die recently? She did pass away recently. R.I.P. R.I.P. to her. You're the one that I want. 
so you were okay back to we were talking about 78 here you were saying about the best pictures here all right we got deer hunter um yeah i've never seen an unmarried woman um midnight express is it's okay um heaven can wait that's actually been on showtime a lot lately and it's you ever see that movie no that's a sports movie uh, with warren Beatty, where he's a football player and then he dies but then he comes back it's it's a pretty good movie but deer hunter is definitely the, um, yeah you gotta give it to deer hunter. coming home though is really good though too with um i you know it's definitely oscar worthy with john voight and bruce stern um a man coming home oscar bait material of a man coming home from nam and trying to survive good movie though but, i think that sounds um, like deer hunter it's the difference is is deer hunters like does it spend more time in vietnam it's actually i like deer hunters better because it's before during after coming home's just like after and what it is is that jane fonda works at a rehab facility and she meets john void who's rehabbing when meanwhile her husband bruce stern comes home from the war and he's like lost his mind so she's like dealing with two people who are war veterans but 79. Anytime you can give Michael Cimino tons of money to bankrupt the studio, you got to do it. <laughs> and you don't got that unless he wins for the deer hunter. That's true. Do you ever see Heaven's Gate? Uh, I was just going to ask you the same thing. No, no, I haven't seen it. No, I haven't. It sounds awful. It sounds it, like a three-hour boring-ass movie. It does. But I'll never forget, like I... I I grew up being told that Ordinary People was the worst movie ever. It was the I most boring movie. Ordinary, ordinary People, man. Well, then you'll love the story that when my mom and dad had a couple, a couple of their friends over watching it, my dad went and laid on the, ba- the our bathroom floor with like a pillow and then like came out like he had been going to the bathroom because he said it was that boring. He had to get out of the room. and like, So my whole life, I'm like, man, this must really be bad. I like those kind of movies. That's it's revolutionary road, but it's just like people mourning on screen. It's Oscar Beatty. Speaking of, of all John Hirsch. Oscar Beatty's. And yeah. And honestly, what a good turnaround. Cause I forgot he was in that. Um, but 79's got uh, some good stuff. Apocalypse now versus Kramer versus Kramer. Is the top of the Oscar. I, I, I know. I feel like, the Oscars were maybe kind of sick of Coppola because they just like, listen, you just made the Godfathers. We gave you respect for the Godfathers. We're not going to give you respect for Apocalypse now, but also like, maybe we should have. Well, can maybe. you imagine though, like we're good. The Oscars turn into just Vietnam war movies back to back that they're giving every year, like deer hunter apocalypse. Now that's I should true. have had to play it. That had to play into it. Cause I never thought about that till just now. Yeah, um, that's a good point. Apocalypse Now, though, is I mean, Kramer and Kramer versus Kramer is currently right now playing tonight on Showtime as we speak. I've watched the ending of that movie. I feel like Showtime, time. does Showtime play 500 movies a day? I feel Showtime like Showtime is like the old days. Show, there's there is nine Showtime channels. Oh, okay, there's like everything from like Showtime Action, Showtime One, Showtime Two. So, like, literally... The amount of movies you say are, I just watched on Showtime, I feel like, is an impossibility. I tried to sell it. I want you, by episode 173, to be like, okay, I got Showtime. Just give uh, your Showtime. Get it one of these days. But that being said, um, um, because I also believe recently Brick was on there, but we'll talk about that later. But 79, besides those two movies, I mean, all that jazz, that you're, you probably... Some Bob Fosse. 
Yes. Um, I like that movie a lot. That's a pretty good movie. Got some Alien. Classic. Some Mad Max. Great. Muppets movie. Yes. Uh, I don't like this, but people love The Jerk. Why don't I you like The Jerk? I think it's a type of humor that was super funny in the late 70s and just, you know, humor changes. Sorry, hard to make a comedy that like last test of time. So no, I don't. I I one one I one trillion percent disagree with you on that. But yeah, I I I don't laugh. Humor never humor. You just don't he like. hates Back these cans. You, you don't. Someone you hates don't, these cans. You, you don't. What's the difference between the jerk and Anchorman? The There's Anchorman no difference. Well, because you fu- you. We're doing this thing again Anchorman where you like hysterical. it. You like it, but is do Anchorman. if you're in a room with a hundred people and it's on, are who's laughing and who's not? Hundred people are laughing at Anchorman. The movie's the best. And a hundred people are sitting silent during the jerk. Yes. Hundred percent. I don't what know. What are they? A hundred atoms? Just yeah. like all in a row. Like, <laughs> if we're doing this hypothetical thought experiment. No, I'll, Listen, I'll give it I give to it, you it again. its props, but I just don't I, like again it. when I was um, when I was 11 years old, 10 years old, I I did something. I messed. I, I forgot what I did. It was something simple. And I'll never forget it. My dad looks at me and goes, you know who you remind me of? Steve Martin in The Jerk. And I go to my mom and I go, dad just called me a jerk. <laughs> and I'll never forget. I didn't know the movie. I didn't know anything. And again, seven years later, I'm watching The Jerk. And he's like, "Hi, I'm Steve Martin." And I go, "Did you grow up a poor me? black boy?" I go, "He was calling me. He was calling me a dumbass, wasn't he?" <laughs> and it was a running joke that, till this day, even my wife, we always bring it up, the jerk. But honestly, the jerk, the jerk's different humor than Revenge of the Nerds. It's different humor than Airplane. These are all different kinds of humor. Naked Gun is different than. Eddie Murphy, it's different. They're all different humor. So you don't like any of those? I didn't say I didn't like it. I said I no. don't like the jerk. No, you said you don't like 80s comedy, which we'll get to at another time. 80s I, in general. It was a bad year, and the comedy a, didn't resonate with you. It was a bad year for... We're going to talk about the 80s soon. We That's will. a bad year for Oscar We're movies. just going to have an all 80s out day where we're just going to just talk about the 80s. But, but then you said like it's a good movie for like... Do you know what I mean? It's got like... Uh, Raiders and Back to the it Future. Does. It's yeah. a good popcorn. It does. it does. We've discussed that. Superman the... 2 um, from 1979. Rocky 2. Rocky 2, which I actually like more than Rocky 1. Really? Um, this movie right why? here that I'm sure you have. Why do you, why do you I... like Rocky 2 more than Rocky 1? Uh, it was the house that I grew up in. <laughs> It was, like told, it was told to me it was told to me that rocky rocky all rocky rocky 2 was just like better rocky 1 like it was the same movie but it was like yeah but rocky that's because you like you like the white boy winning at the end i don't know this is my house i mean i guess if he was alive i'd be like dad was it because of the white boy winning at the end but uh he liked actually his favorite character was mr t so i don't think that that was what it was because he really liked part three the most yeah, mr three is mr t is part clubber three. lang was, was really cool this movie right here is one of my favorites from the 70s and i'm curious to see if you've ever um heard watch this one Zim, warriors you warriors are good 
Warriors. You ever see the, the, war- you ever see the Warriors? Hell's no. What? I shouldn't say hell's no. I just I haven't seen it. It's pretty good. It's a good move. Good time. I'll catch it up when it's on showtime. <laughs> I like it. That's your new. That's your new. I like that. That's your new line. I like it. But good year. Good stuff. I do feel like, especially, I mean, specifically for prestige films, it kind of goes a little bit downhill with the quantity of them. Well, you start- like, there's still some obviously like good ones, like Apocalypse Now, still generational. Deer Hunter still generational, Star Wars and y'all still generational, but well, I think not, you don't have as much. Like I said, like 1975, kind of, and maybe that's not fair to compare things to 1975, which is an all-time classic, best picture year. Back to what you were bringing up with earlier when you brought up Star Wars and how important it was. Also, what Star Wars pretty much did was open up the floodgates to making movies for for financial gain. I mean, if you look at all these movies like Jaws and well, God Kramer Father, versus Kramer like made a lot of money. Well, that's what was happening because people still went to the movies. But now, take a movie like Babylon. Um, that should do at least as well as what Kramer versus Kramer did. You know what? On box office, that's the problem today too. That is a problem. Back then, Dustin Hoffman's in a movie. We're going to see it. Also, too. And it's been told to me multiple times because I've asked this question. Back then, there was not as many movies at the movie theater playing at the same time. So, like now, you you got five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten movies. Back then, it was two, three, and they only came out every other week or every three weeks. It wasn't every week a new movie. But I, that changes in the eighties. What? I feel like that changes in the eighties. What changes in the eighties? Where there's a bunch of good movies in the theater at the same time. Well, it's but there are <laughs> variety like Ghostbusters and Gremlins. Big, big. When's the last time three Academy Award winners are cleaning cleaning up at the box office at the yeah. same time? Like in '75. Well, in fairness, we were did a lot more boring other stuff. <laughs> like Kramer versus Kramer had an eight million dollar budget. And made 106 million worldwide. That'll never happen again. Because why? You know why? But you know what? The, the 90s, we're going to eventually, when we talk about the 90s, the 90s brought people back to the theater. And I'm not going to do this right now, but I would if we were in public. I'd start pulling out, I'd just start pulling out Twitter handle, Twitter handle names to you. And I'd say, is this person going to go see that movie? Is this person going to go to the theater? We're not living in a time where, like, my parents, your probably your parents, everyone's parents, when they were 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, they'd go to the movies. No one's going to the movies anymore. It makes me sad that that's not the case. Well, that's the problem. So, like, it's almost like, and honestly, let's just take a look at, you know, if you're if you're part of a, a a sports team that's letting you down all the time, man, fucking reach out and go see a movie to let go, to to forget about it every now and then. Well, it's gonna be a long summer. Twenty twenty three White Sox, Tony. It's gonna be a long <laughs> summer. Hold on to your hold on to your shorts. It's gonna be not good. We'll go see Killers of the Flower Moon together. Yes, we'll just see it three times. It. It's like nine hours in a day. It's probably a three hour movie, but yeah, but oh. Dude, good, okay. good time period. 
we're eventually a little bit of uh behind the scenes we're going to be talking about a couple years in movies eventually specifically talking about just those years where it's like holy shit that's a good movie holy shit that's a good movie holy shit that's a good movie it's like oh this is the 20th best movie this year holy shit that's a good movie and that was in the 90s like even the 90s had it it just doesn't happen anymore and it sucks also go see babylon the main problem honestly with the 70s is that you know we personally don't have the time to really sit there and watch I mean, you specifically, me, a lot, the ones that I missed, to sit there and say that the 90s, because we lived through them and we've had them more, but the 70s, I mean, look at 75, just that great, just letting, just those best picture nominations, like you said, you named all of them and they were all awesome. That's got to mean that there's got to be at least 10 or 12 movies that came out that year that maybe we haven't even seen. That's got to be pretty good, too. But also, like, part of that is that in the 70s, like, we saw this revolution in movies of, oh, like, we're stepping away from the Hollywood studio system. And, like, that really, that quote-unquote auteur theory is, like, we're letting guys like Spielberg and Kubrick and Scorsese and Ridley Scott and freaking like, make movies. And we're now starting to see, like, really good underground movies. Like, we're... Uh, Romero was able to do with a couple million dollars what John Carpenter was able to do with just a couple million dollars like on some level like these filmmakers were just better that's true and they had I mean even something like Rocky Horror Picture is just like I want want to make this really weird sexual movie I I don't think it's actually like a good movie like objectively it's just a fun movie though do you know what I mean like it's literally like the perfect midnight movie like we're now starting to see like these types of movies being able to get made. We're type seeing of this wave of film, quote unquote. Like I think the Coppola, Scorsese, Spielberg, um, who didn't carry uh, De Palma. De Palma, like they're all in that generation of like kids who went to film school and really studied this stuff and like took in everything and then was able to spit back up their vision. Like, like it literally it changed Hollywood. It did. And it, I th- we were going to see, I think, once we eventually talk about the 90s, a little bit of that revolution again, once independent cinema starts to make money and starts to become cheaper to make movies and easier to make movies, um, we, we see another revolution again. And then for some reason in the 80s, yeah, of course, there were good movies that were made. Um, but when we talk, like, if you look at the Oscar, like the, the films that were even in contention to win Oscars, it's like not even close to the, I don't think either the 70s or the 90s. It's like a weird lull. You know, and again, I I do believe, you're right. I do believe that uh, the 70s were better, but I also believe that there's some, there's there's preference too, to some of this too. Because I mean, you you've already downed Raging Bull tonight, so we won't do that anything anymore. You've already downed Ordinary People tonight, so we don't have to go through that. Um, Elephant Man, I've said it's supposed to be good. Neither one of us has seen it. Okay, going on to 81, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Chariots okay. of the Fire, I don't, I've never seen. So we'll, well, well, okay. well, we'll save, we'll save it, save it for when we talk about it. I know, I'm sorry. I'm starting to go through that, but let's move on to our last segment here. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, do you have a, do you have a clip for it? Yes, yes, I do here. Let's, let's, let's get the clip here for our amazing set. Yeah, we end every single episode with our letterbox segments. If you don't know, we have a letterbox account. Check us out. 
Um, we talk about a movie that we are going to rate on Letterboxd, but it's basically just a chance for us to just talk about a random movie. Um, I recently took my kids to Disney World. We had a great time. Uh, so I decided to pick The Florida Project. It is a let me check 2017 film by this guy named Sean Baker. Um, and Sean Baker, he's made a, I think he's only made like three or four movies. Um, he takes, he mainly, it's, even though it stars William Defoe and Defoe got an Oscar nomination for it, and he's excellent as always in, in the Florida project, it's a slice of life movie about um, a young mom and her daughter, who's probably, what'd you say, like eight, nine, ten? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they are living in Orlando in like this really like there's like this it's it is technically a motel but you have a people who are aren't doing so great at life so they use these motels to literally that's like where they live uh and it's kind of told through the story of this little girl um and i i absolutely love this movie it's like these non-actors like he purposely takes people who aren't trained actors and just like brings out these incredible I don't know what to say performances, but like just incredible. Like Roger Ebert would call movies empathy machines, and Sean Baker's ability to elicit empathy from you, especially with the Florida Project, I think is just absolutely incredible. Um, you know, you talk about like, are you gonna have friends over and just like watch this movie? I actually did have a couple of my friends who were like, hey, come over, let's watch a movie. I was like, I heard good things about the Florida Project. You know, it's not generally the type of movie. You know, it's not like it's Raiders. Um, and for me, it took a little while to get into it because it's it it comes across as meandering for I think the first act, um, but then I think really once you get into this mother and daughter's life, and you really get a sense of like where they're at their life and just how down in their luck the mom is and trying to shield it from the daughter, and he purposefully sets it on the outskirts of Disney World at this motel of like contrasting their tough life with the happiest quote-unquote happiest place on earth um like this movie absolutely moved me i think it's absolutely incredible um it was one of my favorite i remember putting it in my top 10 of movies of 2017 at the time um i don't know if it's i always should do this like check if it's streaming anywhere i'm sure it's not it's it is pretty hold on, hold on don't look it up i've been waiting for you for this okay you know it's streaming is it, is it streaming on showtime it's on there right now tonight Okay. And because of you, and because of you, number one, I watched it um, because it's been on. Wait, Dad, I'm going to see you again. What's going on? <laughs> Just wait right here, okay? Don't move. <laughs> I mean, the movie, honestly, I mean, right now my palms are sweaty thinking about that scene because... It literally is the way that he captured it. It doesn't feel like it's a movie. It feels like a camera's just on a slice of life. Yeah, it feels it's very cinema verity, so it feels like yeah. a documentary almost. Yes, you know, and, and even with Defoe running around too, it still gives me that feel. Right. Which, which, a perfect, a perfect movie. Um, had, had you heard of this movie before I recommended it? Yes, I see. I saw it when it first came out. Oh, okay. But yeah. uh, I when I first saw it, honestly. It went it went in one ear and went out the other. It was like, oh, they're just hanging out. But 
now when I've rewatched it again since you brought it up, because it was the first one we were going to do last week, and then you did this one, so I watched it um, way back then, and then I probably, it's been on again a couple times. It's a really good, solid movie, man, all around. It, it is a little bit of a tough watch. It's like, it's it's not necessarily rewatchable in the sense of like, you're going to like enjoy yourself. But it, good I think, yeah, it, I think it'll it'll move you. It's like that type of movie. So maybe get a little bit of that headspace. But um, you can also you can watch it on Canopy too, if you have, oh. just get a get a library card and get yourself a Canopy account. There you go. There but you also go. apparently, yeah, watching on Showtime. I swear to God, Showtime needs to give us fucking money. To the amount of times that we end up we end up promoting Showtime yeah. on this podcast. If they, honestly, I don't want money. I want if they give you a free subscription, <laughs> I will seriously. I'll be like, thank you so much, Showtime. I don't. I don't need anything. I'm doing this for you. Um, I picked Identity because it takes place at a hotel. Um, I also picked Identity because I think later this year, this gentleman is a strong candidate for a future directorial breakdown because he's doing the new Indiana Jones and Ooh, I love James, James Mangold. James Mangold. Um, Identity. I don't know if you've ever seen this movie. Uh, I think I saw it when it first came out and it's like gone in one eye and right at the other. Yeah. Um, you know, as I stated, like with the Florida project, so maybe going back and revisit it will it's about takes place at a hotel and pretty much, I don't want to give anything away, but the whole thing is that there is a murder and all these people are stuck at this hotel and it's pretty much a who's done it. Um, no connection between the two movies besides a hotel, <laughs> uh, not even a hotel, a motel. Um, before this, I had picked um, Bad Times at the El Royale, but I felt Ooh, that I love the, the but a... I felt like the motel was a little bit more in use this and James Mangold being a great director. Um John Cusack, um, a great, 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 one of the biggest Chicago White Sox fans you'll ever see. No, I'm just kidding. He likes a lot of different teams. Good old John. We did um, underrated directors with at least four good movies. Mm -hmm. I think Mangold would qualify. Well, Mangold's got Mangold's whole career, honestly, when you're looking at it, because I'm looking at it right now. Copland is awesome. Girl Interrupted is supposed to be awesome. Identity, like I stated, is awesome. What the line's really, really awesome. Three Ten of Yuma is really, really awesome. Night and day. Um, That's solid. Like this is one of the, my dad lived this movie for some unknown freaking reason, but it's it's a good one. It's a good one. The Wolverine, man. People people like that movie. People I really think, like I, Logan. Yeah, I think people really like Logan. <laughs> I mean, but the Wolverine though, when it came out, if the Wolverine wasn't because the Wolverine is better than X-Men's Origins Wolverine. The Wolverine is more of just straight up like almost like they try to make it like uh didn't try to make it a superhero-y. Um I mean Logan is really not superhero. -y. Well, no. No, but they're not giving um James Gold to do uh Logan unless this first one did 414 million dollars on a you know a 90 million dollar budget. So He's a good director. Ford versus Ferrari is an awesome that, movie. That's solid. And uh, Indiana Jones, I'm pretty sure, should be pretty good. So we'll see. We'll see, man. That's not okay. If, if 
that's not positivity. You need to be <laughs> no, positive. Listen, I the fourth one was so bad, and I know Mangold obviously has nothing. No, to do you're with right. The you're one. right. You you have no reason to believe that it's going to be some epic thing. And honestly, the trailers are a little bit sketchy to what's going to be going on so far. You know, it's tough because like we, like we just talked about his filmography, and he he does make you know a movie like Logan especially is like so much better than it had any right to be. You know, you hope that he's a director that can like work within this Hollywood system to be like, yeah, I'm going to pull the best stuff of what made Indiana Jones awesome and like revive the franchise. Cause like four was, four was so bad, but you're, it, it's not Mango. But... I can't imagine that nobody isn't watching this guy like a hawk to make sure that this thing isn't going to be floppish, but I don't know. We'll see. All right. Um, all right, I'm giving Florida Project uh, four stars. I'll give Identity four stars too. Really? You gotta watch it, man. You can't tell me one thing over. You can't tell me one thing about it. You I can't just, knock it. You sure. can't knock it if you can't tell me anything about it. That's the new rules of the show. That's fair. <laughs> I do and remember, that for me, and that goes for me too. You know, that goes Listen. for me too. I, I remember not liking it so much, but also you're right. Like I can't name you a single thing about it. I know, you, I, knew it. I know you well enough to know that you, like me, have bad days when you're watching a movie, and I think you'd like this movie. It also the problem is, is you got two children. We don't got enough time on our hands. If you happen to, or we do James Mangold, maybe you'll uh, come across it then. It is tough because I've seen a lot of his movies, and they're good, but there's like six movies I also need to watch. You know, Have you ever seen Copland? No, I haven't seen Heavy, Copland, Girl Interrupted, Kid Leopold. You've never seen Copland? Copland's no. so freaking good. All right, I'll uh, An identity. Right, right. But then, like, I've seen Walk the Line. I've seen Two Tent to Yuma. I've seen Night and Day. I've seen Logan. I forgot that you had picked him for your uh, the director thing. It was, it was you that picked him, right? That said he had four, at least four. No, I'm saying I, I, did, I don't think we did. I swear someone. I'll have to go. Listen, I could have. I don't remember. Ah, don't who knows? <laughs> Listen, that was like 30 episodes ago. That was like 700 episodes. <laughs> anyway, that's our Letterboxd segment. That's our show. Thank you so much for watching um, or listening. Uh, if you want to check out all of our socials, check out our link tree that's on our um, Twitter account that has linked to all our socials. But you can check us out on Twitter at The Hookup on Film. Check out our letterbox, The Hookup on Film. Check out our Instagram and The Hookup on Film podcast. Uh, my name is, oh, if you are just listening to this, make sure you check out our YouTube channel. If you're on YouTube and you just want to listen, we can be listened to wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Adam, and if you want to check me out, I am at Millennial Socks. Man, I really messed this up. We really <laughs> shook the pillars of heaven, didn't we, Wayne? No horseshit, Jack. No horseshit. That's from Big Trouble in Little China, man. We really shook the pillars of heaven tonight with this episode. I don't know if I've laughed as hard. I'm curious to leave this bedroom to hear my wife say, what were you laughing about so much? My name is Tony, the sugar baggie. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you again next week. That's our episode. Peace out. Peace.